The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Appreciate so much the opportunity to be here with you. And, and as uh, your pastor just lets you know, I'm from New Jersey, so I come to you from the land that flows with Chris Christie's and Snookies. All right, so if you know anything about that, we're a little bit different on the East Coast than on the West Coast, and things are a little bit fast-paced out there, and high pressure and all that stuff, and I'm sure that is uh, different uh, here for you, but uh, we love uh, New Jersey. It's a place where I grew up, and my wife is from Philadelphia. We have two of our 12 kids here this morning with us. No, we have four uh, children, and uh, this is my wife, Christina, and our oldest daughter, Anna, and Leah, and the other two are probably wreaking havoc in your children's ministry, so I apologize uh, to the volunteers ahead of time. But so glad to be here with you, and what a beautiful place this is, and I've been uh, connecting with uh, Daniel and your pastor uh, for a while uh, throughout the years and following your church and ministry. What a journey it's been, and uh, just seeing how God has uh, raised up another generation uh, who love God and who love the church as Christ loves the church, and uh, I'm thankful for your pastor's love for the Word of God. How many of you love the Word of God today? When's the last time you thank God just for his word? And boy, isn't his word enough? His word is what we, uh, we get uh, all of what he wants for us. Uh, Jesus reminded us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What the admonition to the preacher is that you would preach the word, instant in season and out of season. And what a wonderful word that we have. Can we just for a moment, just after all that we just sang, we just sang about uh, Christ, our cornerstone. We sang about uh, the fact that uh, we know that Christ is a conqueror. And now we're going to look at the fact that the content of preaching is Christ. And uh, so that's what we're going to preach about. But we learn all of that from God's word. And uh, can we just bow for a second and just thank God for his word this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity. God, I know we've already prayed and we've worshiped and and God, I, I know that uh, these folks have come this morning not to hear me. So God, I pray that you'd help me to articulate well what your word says. And God, as it is my privilege to, to be here this morning, uh, God, I pray that you'd use your word in us. Uh, God, that you'd do your work through us. God, that you'd help us. God, as we know, is your will to conform us to the image of Christ. And God, I pray that you'd make each of us more like you at the end of today and as we continue to progress uh, through our lives. God, our desire, may our eyes be on Jesus. And God, I pray that you'd help us today, Lord, as we glean some truths from your word. Uh, God, I pray that all praise and honor and glory would go to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, this morning with me. And of course, your pastor gave me the privilege of preaching on preaching. So if you're not already analyzing me enough, I'm preaching on the subject of preaching. And so this is going to be tough. And I, I, I think your pastor probably would do a better job with it than I even would, but I love the fact that God has put me in the ministry and allowed me to do this. We miss our church family. We're going to be away for a couple weeks from them, and uh, I'm so thankful for the fact that God has allowed me to do this for a living. What an honor it is. What a privilege it is that we could preach his word, that we could teach his word. Wonderful words of life they are, but look at Ephesians chapter 3, and obviously we're not going to be able to expound all that's here in the text, but would you look at it with me? Uh, Paul is uh, talking to the church here at Ephesus, and for this cause, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, 
for you, Gentiles, how many Gentiles this morning? Thank God that God is talking to us, even us Gentiles. If you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote of four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. How many thankful for the Spirit of God today? It's the Spirit of God that's able to teach us all things, the Bible says. It's the Spirit of God that leads us and guides us into all truth. God's Word is truth. You know, the Spirit of God in us today wants the Word of God to be made manifest in all of our lives. Notice verse number 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. How many glad this morning that we can come boldly before the throne and find grace to help in time of need because we have access. Jesus, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, shall go in and out. And find pastor. How many glad that we have access through Christ to today? We can go to God. We can come to Him. We don't need a mediator. You don't need a, a pastor. You don't need a priest to go to God. That we have access through Christ to go to directly to God. And notice He says in verse number thirteen: Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. You know, as uh, I've been looking at uh, the sermon series that you've been having here. And listening to some of the messages, and Pastor Nick preached a great message. And how many were here for that? How many heard Pastor Nick's message? What a blessing that was. And then uh, just your pastor, just, just conveying in his heart some of the things that we kind of know. If you were raised in a Christian home, how many when you were raised in a Christian home, you were taught to pray, and read your Bible, and have devotions, and be in church? How many were not raised in a Christian home and you weren't taught that? How many are learning that now? How important it is to have those practices in our lives? how important it is to have those disciplines. Not that we earn God's grace through those things, but that we experience God's grace through those things. Not that we earn God's love through those things, but that we learn to love God through those things. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. He wasn't saying, if you keep my commandments, I love you. He was saying, if you love me, you keep my commandments in a sense of by keeping God's commandments, we learn to love God. By keeping and learning God's commandments, we learn who God is. Isn't that awesome when we read God's word and we learn who he is? How many have ever, when you're reading God's word, you learn something about God that just stirs you and just provokes you? Uh, And as we come together, you know what the admonition is? That we would stir each other, that we would provoke each other to love and to good works. Not that good works is what causes us to love each other. But that because we love each other, we are provoking each other 
to love, and the more we serve each other, the more we love each other. Anybody here this morning, you're just going through something, you're going through a burden, you have something that you're carrying, something heavy. How many sometimes you come to church and you don't feel like being in church, but you know you should be here, and so you're kind of here. How many know fake it till you make it? It's not a good way to do the Christian life. And I don't like to be fake, and I'm sure you don't like to be fake, but there's times where we know that we need to show up, we need to do our duty. And in doing so, how many have ever had that time where you did, and all of a sudden you just got awoken again to how great God is, how wonderful he is. You started to serve someone else, and then you started to experience the grace and the love of God, and that just kind of healed your heart from those hurts that you were experiencing. It's amazing how when we serve other people, we learn that our, even our hurts get healed in that process. Don't we have a wonderful, loving, self-sacrificial Savior who taught us that by his example? That in our tribulation, in our difficulty, the Bible tells us, I'm preaching through the book of Romans in our church, and I'm just loving this uh, part where we're going through, and we're in Romans 8, but we're talking about how tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. How many know this morning there's some things that you have confidence about, which is what hope is? It's a confident expectation. It's not, uh, I hope this happens, or I hope it rains. How many hope it rains today? You need some rain out here. Uh, you know, uh, we have these hopes, these desires. Uh, the hope that we have as Christians is not, I hope this happens like it's some kind of luck or lottery. It's a confident expectation that it is going to happen because we have faith in God. And we've learned that through tribulation. How many know to be careful to pray for patience? Because tribulation is what works patience in our lives. And what you never had patience for before, you might have patience for today because God allowed you to go through something hard, through something difficult. You know, it's by coming to church and serving each other, we learn to love each other, we learn to love God, and then when we center to the preaching of God's word, it's not about the preacher, it's not even really seriously, it's not about the sermon series, it's not about all the things that we do, it's about the reminder that all of this is about Jesus. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be reminded, how many need to be reminded that Jesus Christ always wins? Because sometimes as Christians, the world is telling us that we're losers, that we're going to lose, that this is a losing battle or an uphill battle, but we understand that in the end we win. And we understand that living the Christian life is winning. Now, sometimes it's not having an answer as we understand the Spirit, sometimes when we don't know what to say. There's those groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit. How many know some of your best praying is when you have no words? So your best praying is when you can't have those, you know, well-articulated words when we publicly pray in front of people. Some of the best things that we do, we're just honest and reflective before God. Just say, God, I'm, I'm in a, a difficult place. How many know that God already knows that this morning? He knows what you need today. And Paul here in Ephesians chapter 3 says so much, and again, we're not going to get through all of this, but the truth is this morning that there are a few practices that will energize and affect your Christian life as much as sitting attentively under faithful preaching. You know what I'm thankful for this morning is that when I came here, I knew that you hear faithful preaching from God's word. I knew that. And, and so I'm thankful for that this morning because we need more churches that faithfully preach God's word. You know, they're, they're not all over the place. You know, I'm thankful for a church that prioritizes the Word of God. I know your preacher preaches for, you know, a good 20 minutes every Sunday morning, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes he, he spends preaching. No, no, you know why he labors in study? 
You know why he's so concerned with the content as it would? Because he understands it's what we need. It's what he's been told to do, as God's told him to do. And hey, we're not here to elevate the preacher in any way. But don't we understand that we are to give honor to whom honors do? How many know that pastors should be honored for the work that they do? Your pastor doesn't want to be honored because of who he thinks he is. But I think as we as the people of God should honor men of God. How many thankful for your pastor today? You know, I don't know your pastor very well. And we've get, gotten to know each other more and more. But the more we sit and talk, the more I hear his heart. And how much he loves God and loves you. And loves God's word and loves his family. And just wants to lead this church in a direction that honors God. You know what? I'm thankful for that. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. Because we need that. Notice Paul speaking of the wonderful grace he received. Look at verse number 7 to 8 in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, verse number 7, he says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, when we make it a habit to weekly put ourselves in the position of listening to the preached word of God, we're not only being obedient to God's word, we're putting ourselves in a position to have a renewed and adjusted perspective. How many know that that's important, our perspective and how we view things? You know what, sometimes the pressure that's put on pastors is the expectation of the people. In other words, sometimes we come with the expectation of, I'm here to sit and spectate, and the pastor's here to preach a message that somehow is going to convict me, a message that somehow is going to change me, a message that somehow is going to compel me. You know, as I read more and more in the scriptures, I find that the content of the preaching being Christ, the message is not about trying to get the people to be convicted by our words and by our messages, but rather to get the people to see Christ. And when you see Christ and you experience Christ, it's a game changer. It changes everything. It changes our perspective. And maybe when you come, and maybe when you've been coming to church, you've been more expecting the pastor to have a well-articulated... And by the way, there's going to be study, and your pastor's very articulate. I appreciate that about him. But what I want to say this morning is, you know, when you come and you have this expectation of somehow that he's supposed to do this work in you, we have this wrong perspective, this wrong view. And then when we hear words that are just about Christ, how many love those amen messages where the, the pastor preaches a message about something you're already doing? We love that, don't we? It's like picking up a book and reading a book about something I already do. It's so great because I feel so good about, oh, yeah, everything I read about, I'm already doing that. And we love those messages because we come in and we feel so good about ourselves. We, we hear the message and we say, I'm already doing that. Pastor, preach, preach a whole series on that. I would love to have a series of messages on things I'm already doing. Because somehow our perspective has changed and to coming to the church and listening to preaching and thinking that somehow the job of the pastor is to make us feel good about ourselves. And the reason why we have that perspective is because there's so many hirelings in the world today. You can turn on the TV and listen to people preach about motivational speaking, psychology, all kinds of things that are lesser motives, lesser reasons for preaching the word of God. How many know that the reason why we preach is Christ? We preach Christ and Him crucified. He's the reason. And why is it that the church today, with a consumer mentality, is not satisfied with hearing preaching on Christ? Because our perspective's wrong, our expectations are wrong. 
Perhaps we got into some bad habits along the way where we embraced at one time a good habit, but how many know that sometimes habits change from good to bad? We can have a really good habit about coming to church, but then you hear people that talk about, I got nothing out of it. You know, it's interesting that uh, as a pastor, you, you watch people, you see people. There's some people that glean so much from a message, and they're on the edge of their seat, and God's really working their heart, and there's others that just kind of bored, not receiving anything. It's not that the pastor's not preaching a good message. It's just sometimes our perspective and expectations are just all wrong. And I don't know what you expected from me, probably not much because you knew I was from New Jersey, and so you gave me a break. But what I'm saying is this morning is that it's so important as we look at preaching as a grace that God's given to the church. It's a gift that God has given to the church. The Bible says he's given pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, I want you to be edified, but the truth is, is we can't be built up if our foundation is wrong. Because no matter what I build on that this morning, if the foundation's not Christ. It's just sinking sand, even if I speak good words. And we've got to have, as we come, the proper perspective of, I want to hear about Jesus. I want to hear about Christ. I long to hear about who he is. When it comes to the grace of preaching, it's equally important that the messenger is prepared to deliver God's word and that the church is prepared to receive God's word. How many love football? You're about to have uh, your, your tailgate Sunday. Don't shout your favorite, uh, your, your favorite um, you know, players and all that kind of stuff. But what I understand is that you know, sometimes you ever watch a game where the quarterback threw the pass, but the receiver wasn't ready to catch it? You know, in order for a reception to happen and the score to happen is that there has to be someone that is ready to receive what's being passed. You know, Paul was laboring very difficult, uh, at a very difficult time to be a Christian, laboring to get the word of God into areas that had not heard the gospel, laboring to get the word of God back to areas where he had brought the gospel. And in that laboring, you know, he found some people that were receptive to the message, and he found some people that were not receptive to the message. And I wonder, would we be the people that are receptive, ready to receive? How many know in a conversation it's good to listen? How many, uh, you're married this morning and you understand that an argument or a disagreement in your marriage is when she's talking or when he's talking, you're loading, not listening. (laughs) You're you're downloading content. You're you're ready to come with the comeback. You're not really listening. You're just kind of loading up with your response. And I hope that our perspective today is that what we're loading to do is worship and praise and love God. And that's what we want to do as a result to these things. Let me give you three things this morning, and I'll try to hasten for time. But number one, I want to look at here in this passage the character of the preacher, the character of the preacher. And the character of the preacher here, as we can see in the life of Paul, was a humble one. Notice what he called himself. He said, verse number seven, I made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Notice what he's saying about even his calling, that it was the gift of the grace of God. In other words, grace is unmerited favor. It's something he had received of God that he didn't deserve. He knew that he didn't deserve that favor. He knew he didn't deserve that grace, but God had given him that grace, and he was receiving that grace, but what that grace did for him as the preacher was humble him. And notice he's not pursuing a platform, but he's pursuing the pleasure of Christ. 
He's looking and saying, hey, I want to do this for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number one as he describes this. Number one, he says, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, he called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was hooked on Christ. That was what he was all about. He was captive by Christ. He, was, he, was, he belonged to Jesus. I'm glad you belong to Jesus. How many know it's better to be a prisoner of Christ than it is to be free in the world? It's better to be a prisoner of Christ than it is to be free in the world because the freedom that the devil promises us is not freedom. It's just destruction. It's got a wrapper of freedom around it, but it's not real. It's not reality, and people think they're free. And you know what they look at? They say, oh, you got Jesus, and now you're all, you got all these shackles. No, 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 no. The shackles dropped off when we, when we came to Jesus Christ. He broke the shackles. We're free in Christ. And Paul was saying, hey, listen, I'm hooked on Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I love to talk about Jesus. Notice verse number 8. He says about himself that he is less than the least. He's humbled by the calling. He says, I mean, Paul, someone who could have bragged a little bit, someone who could have felt good about himself a little bit. You know, Paul said, I'm less than the least. I don't deserve this. This is a grace that God's given to me. This is a wonderful privilege that God has given me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the church of the living God. Hooked on Christ, humbled by the calling. Notice, he's hopeful for the church, verses 15 through 21. I'm not going to break all of this down, but notice what he says. I desire that you faint not, verse 15, at my tribulations for you, which is, is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees in the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. He desired and he was hopeful and confident for the church. Notice his character. Number two this morning, notice the content of the preaching. The content of the preaching. The content of the preaching that's given here and the content of scriptural, biblical, Christ-centered preaching is not longer lists, but deeper love. It's not longer lists. This is a phrase my wife will tell you. I may say this every week to our church. Not longer lists, but deeper love. How many came in this morning and your list is long enough. You can't put another thing on your list. It's long enough. You're already overwhelmed with the list of things you have to do. We're overwhelmed with that. Then we come to church sometimes and we get all these things that we're not doing and we think that if we do them, then that's going to make us feel better. That if we do them, then we're going to have peace. If we do them, then we're finally going to be happy. And then we find out as we add these things, we just get more stressed and we get more bogged down and we find ourselves getting weary and well-doing. You know why we get weary? Because there's friction. How many know there's this friction as a child of God that you have the spirit that's within you, but you have this flesh, and this flesh is causing friction in your life, and it wears us out. The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. We desire to do what God wants us to do. We want to have the right motives, but even we find ourselves often failing. And when we come in and we just get this list, this to-do list, and I'm all for giving some instruction as the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That we would be mature believers, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, 
I want that in my life. I want the Word of God to do that. I know that's why you're here on Sunday morning. You could be doing some other things. You're not here because you don't want this. You want this. And so, you know, what I understand about this is that I didn't come in this morning to get a longer list. My list is long enough. I'm stressed out from the amount of things that are on my list. And you know what I found more and more is that most of the things on the list are things I put on the list myself. I didn't put them, God didn't put them on my plate. I put them on my plate. How many know that God is not going to help us to bear burdens he didn't give us to bear? How many know that judging outside of your jurisdiction, judging outside of the area that God has given you to judge in, is taking a burden on yourself that God is not going to help you bear? Because if he helped you bear it, you'd continue to carry it. You know, I understand that it's not my jurisdiction to judge here. I've been, I'm a guest. And so I'm not here for that. This is not my jurisdiction. It's not my burden to bear. But you know what, sometimes we have this thing in all of us that we want to pass judgment because it's not something we're familiar with or something that we enjoy or something that we see the same way. And so we add these things to our list and they cause us to be stressed and to be frustrated. Anybody in here suffer with depression? Sometimes we do that because we just keep loading the list, loading the list. How many know when you read a self-help book, it gives you a lot of things to do? And then you come away with it like, I can't do half of that stuff. I can't do that. You know, as much as God's word helps us, it's a living, breathing book. It's not a self-help book about making us feel better about ourselves. It's something to challenge us to understand that without him, we can do nothing. That we need Christ. And he's the missing ingredient probably to all of our to-do list this morning as we think, boy, I've got to do everything like it depends on me. How about we do all to the glory of God? How about in all things he gets the preeminence, first place in every place? Notice what he says. The content of his preaching, verse number 8, is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Preaching doesn't have to seek the lesser content of self-help or psychological therapy or even motivational speaking because the riches of the wealth we have in Christ are inexhaustible. They're unsearchable. That's what he says. He says, you can't exhaust this. And so you know what the preacher can't do? He can't go to God's word and say, I already preached a sermon series from that passage. Uh, I already preached from that book. I already preached from here. Listen, I'm preaching from Ephesians. You've probably heard tons of preaching from Ephesians. But you know what I understand? Unsearchable riches of Christ. It doesn't matter how much we've heard it or how much we've read it. It's unsearchable. It's inexhaustible. The content can always be fresh and new as the spirit within us uh, puts those things, applies those things to our lives that are about Jesus as he's seeking to do what in all of our lives? Conform us to the image of Christ. How many know that he wants you to be more like Jesus today? That's what he wants in your life. That's what he wants in my life, to be more like Jesus. How many like me, you can say, if Paul was less than the least, then I'm somewhere lower than that, if it's possible. I mean, when I read that passage of Paul, less than the least, what am I? Who am I? I understood when he introduced me this morning, you never heard my name before. Less than the least. I understand that this morning. But you know what? I feel the grace of God. I feel the wonderful, awesome privilege. And sometimes, often, your pastor feels the burden, the burden of expounding to you the unsearchable riches of Christ. Because most pastors that are honest with themselves after they get done preaching a message from a passage like this one, and I will feel the same way, is that it's a, a poor job with what God said in his word that's already so great. 
We feel like we're trying to shed some light on it. But you know what I'm reliant by faith this morning is that the Holy Spirit within you is going to illumine his word to you. That's what I'm confident about this morning. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Notice verse number 9. The revealed mystery of the church. The ministry of the word in scripture is stewarding and heralding God's word in such a way that people encounter God through his word. Notice what we're saying here is he's revealed at this time to the church at Ephesus that Gentiles too could be saved. And I'm glad that we know that today. But he was revealing at that time a mystery to them. They didn't understand that. They had all these symbols in the Old Testament. How we know that now that we've received and understand that we have the whole counsel of God and we have the, uh, that which is perfect, the word of God that has come in our lives that we understand. We have an understanding now of what all that Old Testament preaching and teaching and symbolism and all those people, what do they point to? They're like compass points on a map that point northward. Who, as Ephesians reveals to us, we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. All these witnesses are just the other points on the compass that tell us where we are in relation to north jesus looking unto jesus what the author and the finish of our faith that's where we're looking to ultimately they were just markers weren't they they were just markers that god used and imperfect ones as we study their lives to show us the character and the revelation of the lord jesus christ so that we could understand the wonderful mystery of the church how many are glad for the church this morning? Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. I'm thankful for God's church. The revealed mystery of Christ. God made Paul a steward of the mystery with the responsibility of sharing it with the Gentiles. You know, it's not enough simply to win them to Christ and to form them into local assemblies. He was also to teach them their wonderful position in Christ as members of the body, sharing God's grace equally with the Jews. And while Paul is conveying what he was a unique steward of, he's also revealing what every preacher is a steward of as well. That we're to do the same thing. That we're to show people their wonderful position in Jesus Christ. You know what all the preparation this morning uh, of those that led the worship today? It was to remind us all about our wonderful position in Christ. Not so that we could come and be entertained. Not so that we could come and think better of ourselves. But that so we could be reminded of who we are in Jesus and I need that reminder today. We're not only stewards of the gospel, but stewards in preaching to God's people, their position. And notice verse number 10, the content of the preaching, the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. How wise is God? He's all wise. He is all knowing. He is omniscient. I mean, can we exhaust God's wisdom? You think about wisdom is the thing that God gives to us liberally. He gives it to us as we ask him. But how many know that the wisdom of man is not the wisdom of God? What we think is wise is not God's wisdom. How many know that God's thoughts are not our thoughts? His ways are not our ways? Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything in your life that you don't understand today? What does the word of God have us to do? Have faith in the manifold wisdom of God? Have faith in the sovereignty of God. Have faith in understanding that God's in control when everything else is out of control. Have faith in what we see as being out of control might be God being in control. How many know that when your life seems to be coming apart, God might actually be putting it together? When things 
may be seeming to go wrong as you're viewing them, they may exactly in that moment be going right as God would have them to have in your life. Because none of us want to go through trials and tribulations. None of us say, oh, please, give me more problems today. That's why I came to church. Oh, I need more of that in my life. None of us would say that this morning, but how many are trusting of God enough in his manifold wisdom that if God sent something to your life that seemed like it was going to tear your life apart, that seemed like it was going in the wrong direction, that you would trust God, that he would never lead you in the wrong way, but that his way is the best way and always the right way, even when you question it. Do you see anybody in the scriptures that questioned the direction that God gave them? Where? You want me to go where? You want me to do what? To who? How many are a little like Jonah? Opposite direction. This God must have made a mistake in his directions to us. God is wiser than your GPS. God is more trustworthy than your computer. You know, God is greater than Google. You know, we understand as we, we, we kind of trust... Isn't it amazing how much we trust what we read on the internet, but we don't trust what we read in the Word? That we run when we have a problem, when we're having some kind of problem in our minds and our thought processes, that we would be more quick to Google a solution than we would be to turn to God. And how about this? And how about just embracing the fact that if God put you in that season in your life, that He's going to bring you through that he has never left you or forsaken you, but that his manifold wisdom is there to teach you about who he is, about who you are in him, and how many know that what is faith if it is never tested? I mean, how can we truly know if we have faith? You know, uh, some of you, uh, my wife and I have been married 15 years, which is a short amount of time to some of the couples that I can see in this room. But how many know that in your relationship, how do you know that you love? Through the testing, As we gave the challenge yesterday to the couple who were right here on this stage, I said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, in poverty and wealth, and you're saying, yeah, pastor, but I'm waiting for the wealth. I've just been in the poverty. I'm waiting for the better because it's always seemed to be the worse. But how many know that that testing has deepened and strengthened your love and your commitment? It's always the proof and the test. You know, the, me- the reason why, why many churches are weak and effective is because they do not understand what they have in Christ. The cause of this is often spiritual leaders and preachers who are not good stewards of the mystery. Because they do not rightly divide the word of truth. They confuse their people concerning their spiritual position in Christ. They rob their people of the spiritual wealth they have in Christ because they don't articulate to them that it's deeper love that causes us to have greater meaning not longer lists. Because it's not in giving you a to-do list this morning that you're going to fall in love. Listen, can I remind you the one thing that Christ had a problem with the church was? I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. That's the problem he had with the church. They left their love. Can I remind you 1 Corinthians 13, which we often read at weddings, was written to a church that had a love problem, not because they were good at love, but because they were terrible at love. They were good at loving themselves, but they were not good at loving each other. They were not good at loving Christ. They were a carnal church, and he spoke to them and told them, this is what real love looks like, and this is what you need to have 
if you're going to be the church God wants you to be. It's not longer lists, it's deeper love. The great uh, truth concerning the church is not a divine afterthought. It's part of God's eternal purpose in Christ. To summarize in a statement, the content of grace-filled preaching declares the character we've received from Christ and defines with clarity who we are in Christ. That we, he would grant you, verse 16, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ, verse 17, look at it, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the what? The love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I wonder this morning, what was Jesus full of? Grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. I would submit to you that those who would say that they are full of Christ could not say they were full of Christ if they're not full of grace and truth. Because if Christ is full of grace and truth and we're full of Christ, shouldn't we be full of grace and truth? How many are thankful that it was grace and truth? How many are thankful for that, that tandem partner and that relationship that is grace that balances truth and that is truth that balances grace? That you can't, you can't maximize on one without the other. As much as this series is about grace, I would submit to you that it's just as much about truth. Because it's never gracious to not be honest. It's never gracious to not be truthful. And when we're not honest with God's word, we're not being gracious, even if we feel like we're making people feel better. That's not the grace of God. Because what does the grace of God teach us? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldliness, lust, and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That's what it does for us. And then lastly, this morning I'll be done. Notice the consequence of the preaching. As we're looking at this grace listening to the preaching, sitting under the preaching of God's word, the character of the preacher, the uh, content of the preaching. But notice the consequence. The consequence of the preaching is not that we would be consumed with self, but that we would be consumed with God. Remember what I mentioned, that message that was preaching on stuff you're already doing and the stuff that other people in the congregation are not doing that you think they should be doing? And you're like, park it there, preacher, you know, just, just preach on that subject a little bit longer. Oh, the amen section wakes up during that point of time when there's people in the church not doing what you're doing. And you love when the preacher hits those topics because there's so many people in the church that need to be better than like you are. Is that the truth? You just came in humbly this morning praying that everybody else would get it like you got it that they would get it together like you got it together, that somehow the pastor would get a hold of them in the message and drive them back into a right position. Can I share something with you? We do not drive ourselves, and no one drives us into a right position with God. Jesus put us in a right position with God. He put us. It's called justification. You know that he gave you Christ's resume? He gave you Christ's righteousness and we're in a good position with God because of Jesus Christ and for no other reason, no other reason. And when we think that it's somehow what we've done, then we're stealing from what Christ has done. We are tainting the purity of the gospel. And that is, 
It's not of works, lest any man should boast. How many like what it feels like when you get opportunity to boast? Feels good. I've accomplished something. Everyone should give me an award for this. I'm so good at this. We all have that desire in us. It's our flesh desire. Pride is a problem in all of our lives. It is the root to many of the sins that are in our lives symptomatically that we constantly, we kind of pull the fruit off the plant, but we never pull up the root, which is pride in our lives. The Bible says, let, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. In other words, if you come away or you have this perspective today that when you come into church and your pastor gets up to preach, that it's his job to recognize all that you're doing, that it's his job to recognize all the things that people are not doing, that they should be doing, that it is his job to somehow get this church going in the right direction. Listen, it's his job to point you to Christ and remind you that it's only through following Christ that you're going to have good success, that you're going to be in the right position. The consequence of preaching is not self, it's God. And since the character of the preacher is to be humble and the content of the preaching is to be honest, it's only natural then for the consequence of the preaching to be holy. And what is holiness? Be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is being like God, not being like each other. Holiness is aligning ourselves with God's standards, not ours. Holiness is not creating other standards around God's standards so that we can feel higher, so that we can feel better. It is not religiously aligning our, our, our desires in equality with God's desires and saying that somehow if I elevate my desires to the point of God's, that then I'm holy and everybody else that aligns themselves that way is too. Holiness is a likeness to God. Holiness is to be Christ-like. That's the consequence of preaching. Notice what he gives us in verse number 11. He gives us an embracing of purpose, a calling. Verse number 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The consequence is an embraced purpose. What is my calling? Paul embraced his calling, but can I submit to you this morning that it was his desire for the church at Ephesus and for every Christian that reads this on the inspiration of God's word that we too would embrace our purpose in Christ and our calling. And then notice what else he says in verse number 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by, by the faith of him. Not only an embraced purpose, but an increased hope or confidence. Not confidence in self, but in the real confidence. Not I hope it's going to rain, but I know that Jesus lives. I know that Jesus is alive. I know that his spirit is within me. It's a confident expectation. I know that he always wins. He always wins. I know that. It's that kind of confidence. Not a confidence in self, but a confidence in God. And notice verse number 13. A strengthened endurance, a courage. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not. He wanted them to have endurance through tribulations, both his and theirs. Understanding that sometimes, how many have ever seen somebody go through a real hard time in the church? Or maybe you see your pastor go through a hard time and you start to get discouraged. But can I tell you that the word of God is meant to tell us that even if someone else in the church, even if the leadership, even if someone is going through a hard time, that we don't need to faint during that time, but we need to have endurance and we need to have courage to face hardness and difficulty. You know, it's hard. It's hard to have a church 
in the world that we live in? It's hard. It's financially hard. It's emotionally hard. It's physically hard. It's just, it's, it's taxing. It's one of the reasons why the, 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 the average tenure of the pastor in evangelical churches is three years. Because it wears you out. It's difficult. It's hard. Your pastor said, I don't want you to be burdened or stressed down with anything. I said, burdened, stressed down? I get to leave after I preach. You have to stay here with them. I said, I'm going to pray for you this morning. This is about as stress-free as it gets for me. My assistant pastor's already preached on the East Coast. He's already done. He's already done all of that. And you know what? I'm worried about what happened back there. And every pastor is, as we bear the burden that God has given us. But it's a wonderful blessing. Notice not only the strength and endurance, but lastly, a deepened love. Look at verse number 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. A deepened love or commitment. Because that's what love is, isn't it? Love is a commitment. It's a decision that when things get hard that I'm going to stay. I wonder, let me ask you a question. Are you committed to Christ? When things get hard, when he doesn't answer your prayer, when he doesn't give you what you want, do you stay? Because... If you don't, then you love you, not him. If we stop following when things get hard, then we love ourselves. How many know that sometimes we're not asking for God's will to be done in our lives? We're begging God to do our will. God, I think it should be this way. God, I want you to do it this way. God, I'm not happy with how this is going in my life. How many know that our prayers would drastically change if our perspective changed on this subject to where we started to say, God, don't change my situation. Change me. Because I'm the imperfect one here, not you. I need to be different, not you. I need to become more like you. How many know that it's easier to make God more like us than it is to make us more like him? And so we put God on a lower level. And it's amazing how when tribulation comes that people abandon God because their picture of God is just a mirror picture of themselves. That God does for them what they want done for them. Notice it was a deepened love and commitment for God. You know, the highest grace of preaching is encountering Christ. It's to know and adore him and enjoy him as our greatest treasure. This significantly changes our perspective and experience of preaching. You know, let me ask you this question. What if you came to worship next week, not looking merely to hear some preacher, but to encounter Christ? What if that was your perspective? What if you came next week to worship? What if we took all the pressure off, in a sense, of the speaker, and just said, I'm here to have an encounter with Jesus. And I know the pastor's going to preach the word. And so I'm going to let him have some liberty. I'm not going to shackle him with my expectation. I'm not going to make him feel pressure as he comes up to preach every week. And how many are glad for a faithful preacher of the word of God? So glad. I'm glad that throughout my life, from a little boy, I feel like Timothy, that from a child, that has known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise unto salvation. They didn't save me, but they made me wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And the faithful preach word of God. You know, some of the pressure might come off the preacher if you didn't feel like you were always analyzing him. You're always kind of looking, angling 
with him. Kind of like judging in a sense of, you know, the kind of judgment we don't like. But looking and saying, listen, I want to have an encounter with Jesus. Did you come for Christ today? What if that was our expectation every time we came to church? It's not the problem of his presence. It's the problem of our perspective. Because his presence is here. How many of you are believers this morning? You're a believer. You've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. His presence here because his spirit is here. How many want to just let him have his way today? Just get out of the way, drop your expectations, your perspective, and just let him have his way as you embrace and encounter the person of Jesus Christ through the preach word of God. Can we ask God to help us with that today? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.